Hi, I'm Shreen Fatik, and you're listening to Making Marketing by Digiday. Every week, I talk to marketing leaders who are changing the industry one decision at a time, be it figuring out new growth paths for DTC brands, the role of AI, or the importance of agencies. There's a lot to unpack. And joining me this week is Kevin Keith, Chief Brand Officer at Orange Theory, a fitness company that is now making $1 billion in revenue and is on track to open 2,500 studios by 2024. The company was founded in 2010 and is riding a wellness wave. Kevin is in charge of figuring out what the brand stands for and how to best get people off their couches and into the gym. In this episode, we talked about why being a lifestyle brand is not the goal, how wellness has permeated culture, and whether a robot is going to take Kevin's job. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hi, welcome to Making Marketing. Hi there. We're excited to have you to talk all about fitness very early in the morning, which is a good time to talk about fitness. Absolutely. I'm all caffeined up. So Good. Caffeined up and worked out. So big news with Orange Theory, I think, this week, which is $1 billion in system-wide revenue. That's right. What? That sounds like a really big number. It is. It is a really it's big a great number. number. It's a great number. What does it actually mean? <laughs> it means, you know, across our network. So we just opened, um, we're over 1,100 studios now in, in over 22 countries. And what that means is all the revenue coming into all those studios, you know, our gross revenue um, system-wide. And that is, is that on track? Is that something that sort of you knew you were working towards? Or is that part of a larger and more sort of unexpected growth spurt in the last couple of years? No, it was it was totally expected. What was unexpected was that it came earlier than we anticipated in the year. It's always um, good. Yeah. And um, another great thing about 2018, um, when this actually, you know, we hit this milestone late in the year, our fourth quarter was our best quarter we've had, you know, from a comp sales perspective ever. So, um, which kind of bucks the trend in the fitness industry. Usually people kind of mm. party and they, they're not really thinking about fitness in the fourth quarter. They're thinking about Thanksgiving <laughs> and they'll take care of it in the first quarter. Right. <laughs> we saw the Which is why effect. my gym is really crowded in January, right? <laughs> know, right. Then February, March, just kind of gets a little more room in the, in the, in the space. So, uh, we kind of bucked that trend. So it was really nice to see, uh, you know, that happen. So for a lot of people who don't sort of know necessarily Orange Theory, or maybe they've probably really definitely seen kind of that vibrant color in a lot yeah. of different places where they live. Can you tell us a little bit about the model? Let's start with kind of what is Orange Theory and sort of what makes it different? Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, you know, the first thing people say is, what is Orange Therapy? Or they, they see it and they kind of they kind of see it and remember it, but they don't get the name right. And once they do, it's they're like, wait, what is orange? What is the theory? What is why orange? Uh, and it's quite simple, frankly. It's really just about um, the science that Ellen Latham, our co-creator, or the co-founder and the creator of the workout nine years ago, she created this workout that basically was designed to get results for people of all types, whether you're just starting or you're an elite athlete or somewhere in between, um, which most people are not elite athletes. They, you know, they might have been on the couch for a while or. <laughs> Um, for a really long time. A long, long time. Me. They've right. watched a lot of Netflix, but um, but they really, uh, she had this heart for creating a, a very dynamic, um, easy to follow workout that got people results because she had been in the business for, for decades and she really wanted to share a workout that people got results from. Um, many of her clients had said they had been in other, other programs or tried all these different fads that never produced the results that they were really hoping for. And it was really heartbreaking for them. So she really wanted to do something that was accessible, that wasn't just for one type of individual, and um, that used the best science out there, which there's a lot of science about fitness, but people mm -hmm. don't apply it. She actually did a lot of study and analysis on that and created Orange Theory. And Orange mm -hmm. Theory, uh, to answer your question, is simply, uh, it's an hour workout, but the, the theory and the science behind it is um, getting 12 to 20 minutes in what we call the, the orange zone, which is 
um, 84 to 92 percent of your maximum heart rate. So it's just 20 minutes, the total hour. That's not all at one time. Mm-hmm. So you just do bursts of of um, effort that's sustainable and doable for everybody. Mm-hmm. It creates the, what we call the orange effect, which it supercharges your metabolism for up to 36 hours. Um, and really, if you do this over time, what the science shows is that it actually changes your body mm-hmm. metabolically from the inside out. So it really changes you at the cellular level. So that's why we're really not about just weight loss or your dress size or your waist size. It really is about changing your body completely. And in doing this over time, the science proves it actually starts to um, decrease risk for chronic disease. Uh, people who are um, depressed, for example, um, we have seen a number of our members go off of antidepressants, and we're not anti—you know—we're not anti-pharmaceuticals uh, or anti-anything. Mm-hmm. We're really about giving the best workout possible. What we have noticed, though, is there's a strong correlation to chronic disease reduction um, if you All stick the with the program. And the by the things. way, you will lose weight. So that is—that's the product, yep. and you are obviously in charge of the marketing. How do you kind yeah. of think about connecting that product itself, which is the science-based workout? Mm-hmm does all these things and then creating kind of a brand out of it. What has that experience been like since you joined the company? Sure. You know, and a lot, a lot of my, uh, my background is really on um, big mega brands, you know, whether it be Coca-Cola or Mercedes Benz or, you know, you know, traditional kind of products and consumer goods. This is different for me. Um, actually, just a little history about me. I was actually a member of Orange Theory before I, I actually became the chief brand officer. And um, I was very passionate about it. I loved it. And I was Good really... for the interview. Yeah. <laughs> it was really... Uh, yeah, it definitely gave me a leg up. But it definitely uh, caught my attention when uh, I was approached about this because I felt like this is something that was really changing people's lives. Um, and when I looked at what the job description was about, you know, yes, it's about growing the brand and growing our sales and growing growth, uh, growing our um, the pace of our growth around the world. But to me, it was about how could you uh, take this brand and make it grow even faster because it's impacting people so positively. So I felt really great about that. So what I felt you know, was really important was to get our story right and to really tell that this is a deeper, um, the impact of this brand is much deeper than people understood on the surface because there's so much going on in our industry. There's so many people talking about um, wellness and all mm-hmm. these other things. This was special to me because it was changing people's lives so fundamentally, and it really got me excited. So it was something, and, and that's interesting because you're sort of talking about, I mean, yes, I think it's related to the wellness industry, but I think it's also related to the overall marketing industry. I mean, I've definitely noticed this, like, res- call it a resurgence or just a little bit of a refocus on brand purpose. Everybody has yes. to have one. And, you know, you could be a company that maybe doesn't have that direct impact on people's lives that you can necessarily see or point to, Mm -hmm. but in some way or other, you want to try and make that connection because you can't just be somebody selling something anymore. At least that's what most people buy into brands or they buy from a brand. And I believe that a hundred percent. So the very first thing that I did when I joined Orange Theory was I, I got our executive team around and I asked them to really spend a day really focusing on defining why we exist. Okay. Um, we were already successful, but how many I, years ago was this? That was two years ago. Okay. And um, so you were pretty big. People knew you. Yeah, it we had about. Big. I think when I joined, we had about six hundred okay. plus studios. Not small. <laughs> um, today we have twice that. Mm-hmm. But um, but we asked. I asked them to sit around and, and spend a day really doing a workshop, really getting not a a long paragraph, but really one sentence. Like, why do we exist? And from that, that's where we tell our story. So okay. where we ended up was. Um, basically, we exist to give people a longer, more vibrant life, period. That's mm-hmm. all the reason why Orange Theory exists. And so everything we do is in pursuit of helping people give, uh, get them uh, a longer, more vibrant life. So 
obviously that means not just about weight loss, although we we do offer that uh, as a result, um, but it's so much more. And we have so many stories. Um, later, I'm speaking at a conference here in New York, and I'm going to be sharing a couple of our stories from our members. Every day, we get literally hundreds of letters in um, telling people stories about how they've really had their lives changed, um, and they've gotten more life out of Orange Theory in a way that they were never able to achieve prior to to being a member. That's a great point. And I want to I want to come back and talk a little bit about sort of that network effect that I think something like this, and especially when you go back to brand purpose has on this. But talk to me a little bit about, you know, the different kind of ways you've thought about advertising now this mm-hmm. brand. So you've got, okay, so you know this brand purpose, you've got the product down, people like it, you want to obviously tell more people about it. And you've kind of figured out at least with your executive team, what really that crux or right. core part of it. How do, what does that, how does that impact actually getting that messaging out of the world? Where has worked? What are the different things you've tried? Well, you know, first of all, most of our member growth, it comes from our existing members, like new members. So 60 plus percent of our growth is from referrals. So we, our net promoter score is 82, 83%, which in my 25 year career, I've never worked on a brand that had a, a net promoter score. How much of that, that is sort high. of Instagram driven too? Um, a lot. We have a huge social Orange influence. Life, yeah. That, people right. are very vocal about their experience with Orange Theory and they share it with their friends and family. And then they, they nag their friends and family, hey, come try Orange Theory. It's crazy. Orange Therapy? What? What are you doing? Um, but it's different. It's not like other fitness brands where there are cults. It's a different kind of a cult, but in a healthy, sustainable way. Um, you know, so I think that growth is really, it comes from the inside out. So we start the stories and the, gro- the marketing story, if you will, the brand purpose from our own members. We give them voice. And we amplify it from that point forward. Do you encourage them in how so um, kind of, you know, tell your story. Okay, if you had a great experience or an okay experience, just tell that story. How do you actually get that to happen? Well, we do actually ask them to send us their stories. um, And we actually go out and and document those stories. Uh, We're actually working on a a really cool project right now where we're doing a documentary. And um, we want to tell our story in a different way that's Mm -hmm. outside the traditional 30, 60 second format of of an advertising commercial or even through your uh, Facebook feed, through retargeting ads. Mm -hmm. We want to go deeper. And um, I think in the age of the soundbite and just a a 30 second little blurb, there's so many more interesting stories that our members have sent us. We want to actually kind of tell why is this transforming the category and why is this transforming people's lives? So we encourage people to send us their stories and, and in the process of doing so, Ellen Latham, our, our creator with the workout and I and, and our people at our office, we will we'll literally print these out and, and read through them, highlight. And uh, it's remarkable the consistency you'll see in the themes, you know, how people felt hopeless mm-hmm. or they felt um, discouraged or there's an event in their life, a divorce or something terrible has happened where they actually came in, um, they gave us a shot, and it really transforms our, their lives. And what I think the other remarkable um, theme we'll read consistently is we're a counter trend. And what I mean by that is in the age of digital, everything being digital, virtual, you know, we are all about real human connections. Well, you have to actually show up. You have to show up. <laughs> right. Let's talk about sort of. I mean, obviously, you are subscription-based. Um, there's going to be seasonality, possibly. There's going to be certain times. How is that, you know, do you discount a lot? Are you thinking about kind of ways to kind of get new members in? You know, obviously, the hardest yeah. part is getting them in the door. Right. Then after that, sort of, you're hoping that the brand itself and the product itself will do the rest mm-hmm. of the job. How does that kind of play out, especially, you know, on Facebook, on Instagram, kind of using some of those more tactical kind of sure. marketing tools? And, and does, is that still effective anymore? 
Yeah, it's interesting. Um, obviously, we all know the the Facebook algorithm has changed um, constantly. <laughs> right. Uh, we were actually born and kind of grew through word of mouth, but also through pretty much exclusively Facebook retargeting okay. to get lead generation. Especially in the early days. In the early days, yeah. So I, the 2011, 12, 13, 14, that was fairly effective for us. Um, kind of fast forward to where we are today, you know, in 2019, you know, we've really kind of amplified and really broadened our reach. But, um, you know, certainly we've talked about artificial intelligence and the role that's played, and it's been really good for us. But what we're finding is not only does it help us find more efficient ways to generate leads, but also gives us deeper insights into the types of individuals interested in our brand. Well, let's go back and tell us what you've done exactly yeah. with AI. Because I think a lot of people hear the word AI and they go, oh, that's that's still off in the future. That's not no. something that's actually happening. Yeah. And there is a level of discomfort, I think, with people who sure. want to implement it. So sure. what have you done? And even with myself, I find some levels of discomfort just from the same uh, issues the industry is facing, like transparency, all those kind of things. I, I, even I kind of struggle with and wrestle with. But, but so basically, we've been doing um, AI for going on about a year and a half now. So, uh, and we have it throughout the year. So, first of all, we there is a seasonality to our business, but Orange Theory actually has a much more even season than than the rest of the industry because people do stick with it. You know, our length of stay and our, our longevity is really good. Um, but that being said, the the AI platform, you know, it does generate for us a much more efficient buy across multiple platforms. And what we've been able to to do, you know, tactically is really be more surgical. So, um, you know, we're opposite from a lot of our competitors in that we started in the suburbs and we started to move into the city. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, okay. So, um, and we're, we're... And your franchise model, too. That's correct. Right. You know, we have a small number of our studios that are, are corporate owned by mm-hmm. us, uh, but the vast majority are franchised. So, um, and they started in, in the suburbs and moved into the city. So that way, you know, you know, usually with uh, the advantage of being in the city is you get a lot more media visibility and influencers. And so that's great. But... We started the opposite direction. So AI has been great to get the word out in the metropolitan area. Um, and now we're being able to be more targeted in terms of whereabouts uh, throughout the metro area. We want to actually focus our AI lead generation programs. Is your money going further? It is. It is going further. And it gives us the ability you know, to cut a lot of the waste. Okay. You know, we had a lot of waste, you know, even in the early days. But uh, what we found, you know, as we, we turned on the AI platform, it was it was incredibly inefficient at first, and that's kind of part of the process. And um, you know, our, our director of media connections, you know, he was spot on and and saying, look, it's gonna the cost per lead is gonna go up for a couple of weeks, and it quadrupled. It went really high, and, and then you're it, like, oh no, <laughs> yeah, Panic. and then um, then it took a nice swan dive down, um, you know, into the single digits, which is nice. But it wasn't really about the cost per lead we were focused on as much as the quality of the lead, and that's where artificial intelligence really helped us dramatically. So what are you looking at, you know, sort of to try and get more surgical about that quality of the lead? Because I think that's really interesting, yeah. especially for a subscription-based business. And obviously you're trying to keep yeah. churn down. You're, you want to have that longevity of that. And also the actually just having a lead is not just a lead anymore. There's going to be different types of that's leads. That's right. You know, we don't want, um, you know, if we want the people who generally have a, a proven pattern of being interested in, in trying something different. Um, so we use a lot of the, the data and we, there's a lot of conversations around data. Uh, I'm going to be talking about that later this morning, (laughs) but um, we use a lot of the data to predict, you know, what is a good lead? Um, Who is actually generally looking to take action? Because we want them to show up into our studio and take a free class. You know, most of the the world, we offer a free class. In some markets, um, you know, more urban markets, you do pay a small fee. But but the point is, we want to get you in there and to try it. Because once people try it, um, a lot of their perceptions are shattered. 
People think it's intimidating. They think they can't do it. They think it's all about competitive with other people, and really, it's about you versus you. So, um, so the AI has really helped us to be a lot more um, strategic in predicting the best kind of lead of someone who's generally ready to take action. Um, so it's been good. What has been what's been really difficult about kind of not just AI necessarily, but just kind of implementing all of this tech into the organization? Because I think that a lot of you know a lot of brands that. Not every brand is a tech company. In fact, you're That's doing right. all these other things. And and then you have to bring in so many things that I think at least first glance, they're complicated. There are things that require new skill sets, new kinds of people right. need to come in, new hires need to be made. How has that kind of changed the makeup of just the internal organization of the company? And what's been difficult about that? Sure. I mean, um, just to remind everybody, we're nine years young. So we're a very young company. And we've grown exponentially, both in studio growth and also at our corporate office. And you're going to grow more. And we're going to continue to grow more. Um, This year is going to be another exceptional year. But what I think is challenging is with all these new advancements in technology, and particularly in the external marketing side, there's an internal effect. And how do you operationalize that internally? So we can generate all the leads in the world, but if if they come in and you're not following up on those leads, or we create a friction-filled digital environment, you know, they have to click. 14 times to get mm-hmm. into our studio. That's not the kind of experience that we want for them to have. So the challenge is how do you, you know, the, the bar is ever increasing in terms of what consumers expect from from brands. Mm-hmm. So I always say we're not competing against other fitness concepts. We're competing against the world in terms of the, of the digital experience people have with Orange Theory. Um, and there's also the human experience. So it's really operationalizing how to, to manage those leads and how to treat them like people. You know, these are not just leads like some little... Um, number on a on a screen. They're generally they're people who are looking and seeking to get more life out of Orange Theory. And they want to try it. So it's really humanizing that. You know? Did anything surprise you about sort of once you you know implemented, especially once you'd implemented AI into some of that um, about I don't know who your customers were, who absolutely. Yeah, who and actually that's should I'm, be your customers? Yeah, we've actually you know I think there's a danger in over segmenting your your target audience, but certainly we've discovered through AI that we've got a number of of uh, prospects that we didn't expect to be uh, interested in our brand. Um, lots of younger people, of course, but we've learned that we've got people on the older spectrum, um, much older than we anticipated, uh, are very interested, and people yeah. who are very young, by, in droves. Um, I'm talking like 18 to 24. How has that shifted the marketing? Because that's, you know, but we've we've had people on this podcast before that have talked about Either they've figured out what you did that oh mm-hmm. suddenly there were groups that they hadn't maybe realized in the early days were groups, or they've gone into new products and they've realized yeah. that those products have a very different audience or demographic or customers yeah. than their old products. So suddenly their marketing has to try it just gets more complicated, right? It You're does. just talking to more people. But here's one aspect that technology is really helping. It's in the the idea of content marketing and using um, content platforms you can actually serve content to that particular individual that's going to be more relevant to them. Give me an example. So, for example, if you come to our website and you're 21 years old, you live in Manhattan, um, a female, we can serve you content now that is reflective of the type of lifestyle, you know, younger. So it's not, so you feel like this is for you. Mm. Um, It's a 45, 50 year old man, perhaps like me, um, I would be, I would come to our, our digital environment and be served content that makes it clear that Orange Theory is not just for women, you mm-hmm. know, that I can actually see that it's, there's a lot of for um, benefits for men. So we're able to use that content platform and that CMS, that content management system. Mm-hmm. We're actually implementing this this year and getting more and more sophisticated with this kind of technology, but it enables to tell the same story 
but take it to a more personal level to that particular individual coming into our, our digital it's ecosystem. It's getting more personalized. It is. Um, but critically, we're not diffusing the brand by telling a thousand different versions of Orange Theory. We're, we're talking about how Orange Theory gives you more life. And everybody's version of what more life is a little bit more personal, right? So the story we tell them, we can use the data to actually personalize that a bit more. Um, who's writing all this content? It's a good question. Um, <laughs> That's also a lot of content. It's the one thing that I know keeps me up uh, constantly is the voracious need for content. So we do. Uh, um, I was at the ANA conference late last year, and the, you know, there's a um, there's another one coming up uh, next month. Really uh, focused on in-house agencies and and really bringing a lot of that work in-house. And first of all, we love our agencies and our partners. We're, we will need them, but certainly we feel like at Orange Theory we want to build a, a an in-house team of content writers. Um, and a network outside of Orange Theory of content contributors. Hmm. Um, sort of we like don't, a freelancer contributor Yes. Um, so we have a lot of guest contributors, and we're going to actually have a, you know, exponentially more contributors as the, as the year moves on. Because you know, our members and the public really are interested in hearing more about what Orange Theory's point of view is. But I don't want to just give them content um, that we talk about. I want people outside of the brand that can validate um, genuinely that you know, the content we're providing them is is coming from the world's best sources. Um, we are all about science-backed, technology-tracked, coach-inspired workouts. So we want to provide content to help people understand how to do Orange Theory better um, and how to enjoy it more in the studio. And also when they're out of the studio, the other 23 hours of the day and the rest of the week, like how can they live a, a you know, a more vibrant, healthy lifestyle? Yeah. Um, you mentioned kind of in-house agencies, and I think that's that's a really interesting, I guess, trend, quote unquote. Again, it's so much so much of what I've seen, at least with like brand agency relationships of the last you know many years that I've covered the industry, has just been it does feel a little cyclical. Like I have to say, there there pendulum. are so many things. It's just yeah, it's the pendulum. It keeps swinging here, and then suddenly you'll have. 15 top CMOs go over here and say, actually, it's about control and in-house. And yeah. then they'll come back a few years later because, yeah, there is scale. They do recognize there are benefits of yeah. having an external partner as well as an internal partner. In-house agencies are an interesting sort of pendulum swing to me right now. Yes. What is your perspective, especially having sort of been part of this a you know, talk about it and mm-hmm. it's definitely in the air. Is it here to stay? Is this something that people are still kind of figuring out? Where do you see this going? You know, it's a fascinating conversation. You're right. It is a pendulum. But um, I have to give credit to my mentor and one of my dear friends in, in the marketing industry, uh, P.O. Shunker. He was the head of Coca-Cola's marketing for years at um, their content excellence group in Atlanta. And um, he's now the CMO of um, Samsung Mobile. But his point of view is, and it's, he's right, is that in-house agencies are terrific. You do need to own certain aspects of your brand. But, but agencies are critical because if you rely on your in-house team to do everything, you need the outside. In, you need to bring the outside in. So we found, and and he found at Coke, and certainly I believe it absolutely at Orange Theory. We need our agencies to help be the truth serum, to bring the outside into our organization. So we're not always just talking to ourselves. And so, um, you know, and they're also the what I call the BS meter. You know, they help <laughs> as us. As long as actually, they're telling you the actual truth, I think they, it's a great. You know, thing. and we have a very uh, radically honest uh, relationship with our agencies. Um, and I ask them to be radically honest with us and to just give us the okay. That's. That's absolute junk, you know, and they do that. So I really rely on that for them. Uh, on the in-house agency side, I think there are aspects we do need to own. Um, people look and they turn to social media as a way of customer service now. That needs to be owned by us. We need to manage that as a, as a channel that can be personal and quick and efficient at resolving issues. So um, if you look at trends with CMOs now, um, the job responsibility keeps growing. And a lot of the customer experience is now in the CMO's court. Mm-hmm. A lot of... Um, 
A lot of the problem tech resolution, management. tech management, right. marketing technology mm-hmm. falls under the responsibility of a CMO and in his or her group. So um, it, for us, it's the same challenge. Right. So so you're getting busier. We're getting busier, but um, but certainly I believe agencies, you know, the the good agencies out there, and there are still many very good agencies, are very good at helping clients like us stay on track with. Um, staying true to who we are in our, our storytelling that's linked back to our brand mm-hmm. purpose and also to help us raise the bar from a creative standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. You you mentioned um, sort of, you know, suddenly all of these new things kind of have fallen into this the CMO chief brand officer role, which I find really interesting. And, you know, one of the big, I think, backdrops against which marketing is operating right now is sort of this rise of this direct to consumer, digitally native brand yes. movement. And I th- these brands are really, I mean, they're one changing the industries in which they operate, whether it's home goods or linen or whatever. It is. Right. But also, I think they're showing people sort of a new way to market, and I think it is—it's almost a little bit more complicated than okay, we're taking out the middleman. It's really we're—we're going to have a direct relationship with our consumer, mm-hmm. whether we end up selling wholesale later, and maybe we'll end up going on Amazon later, and we'll work with agencies and all these things. Right. But we're the ones who will own that relationship, and it's our responsibility. Um, and I see sort of some shades of that with what you're saying, which is right. I think that this is almost, it seems simple, but a new way of thinking of marketing, which is, it's us and the customer. Everyone, Everything else yes. is just there to help that relationship. To foster and facilitate it. Absolutely. I mean, we do have a direct relationship with our consumers, and um you know, from a marketing standpoint, I want to have direct access and vice versa. The consumer have direct access to us. And I think the biggest thing is being authentic. Um, I know it's a buzzword, but it's really, it can't be underscored enough. Um, consumers, people, I love to call consumers people because that's what, like you and me, you know, we love it when brands are honest, right? I absolutely love it. And, um, you know, we're working on being more radically honest and direct um, in the right tone that's right for Orange Theory. Um, but you know, I think our consumers, it really resonates with them and they particularly love it when we give voice to, to other members and share their stories. But, um, you look at other examples outside our category about authenticity and and directness and having that direct relationship and you see, um, the public responding very positively to that. Um, talk to me a little bit about kind of this, you know, again, going back to what we're saying about wellness. And, um, I think there has been a cultural shift a little bit of thinking about, thinking about whether it's going to work out or taking your vitamins or meditating, there has been a cultural shift to thinking this sure. is all part of the same bucket. Is that good or bad? Because um, it definitely makes it a little bit more complicated. It definitely makes it more complex. I mean, hey, look, wellness and having that conversation just in culture is a good thing, I think. I think that's positive. Better that than talking about drugs or That's something. right. Um, you know, in fact, I was in London a couple months ago and I went and visited some boutique studios there and we're opening and expanding throughout the UK. But I went to this one concept and it was literally like, you know, a nightclub. And, you know, they always say um, sweating is the new, you know, <laughs> sweating is the new nightlife, you know. Going I didn't know they say out. that. It's yeah, a good it's one. absolutely. This is a good one. I like it. Absolutely. So, um, you've you know, already taught me two today. So I think you said sitting <laughs> is the new smoking was the other yeah, one. Sitting is absolutely the new smoking. <laughs> and um, sweating is the new nightlife. So I try and stand a lot. But, um, you know, because I do sit <laughs> on a lot. Stand and of, sweat. I do sit on a lot of airplanes. <laughs> it makes me crazy. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, you know, that whole sweat life is, is a new nightlife. So, in London, for example, um, you know, everybody's talking about wellness. And so, you know, going and, you know, instead of drinking, you know, you know, actually, if you look in the UK, for example, alcohol consumption is going down dramatically there amongst their younger population, which um, I was in school in the UK and that was definitely not the case when I was there. <laughs> so, and you're seeing that in other countries, certainly in the United States as well and um, throughout other parts of the world. But I think the idea of wellness is something that's very, very, um, I think it's here to stay, frankly, right. because our lifestyles before were so unsustainable. And in, in, 
interestingly enough, the technology is actually making our lifestyles worse. And so now technology is being utilized to do the opposite of that and to manage that. You know, from our standpoint, the challenge from a marketing standpoint is if everybody's talking about wellness and we generally are a wellness company, does that dilute our message and what we're talking about? Well, if everything is wellness, then what is wellness? Yeah. Right. So, you know, from our perspective, that's why it's really important. We talk in, in terms of what we actually, we stay in our lane. You know, we don't want to be all things to all people. And I think that's a danger in the slippery slope of brands when, particularly in the fitness industry, they try to be the silver bullet. Um, or my favorite is, oh, we're a lifestyle brand. I, I, I wondered if you were about to, I was going to ask you if you were a lifestyle brand. Um, nice. I think we have the potential to be a very powerful lifestyle brand, but I will only say that when we're actually delivering on that. I believe we are absolutely on the on the pathway to doing that. And certainly people have a, a, an Orange Theory lifestyle already. Um, but I think when you, when you can call yourself a lifestyle brand, you're really looking after the 24 hours a day. You actually have something to, a value to offer 24 hours a day to that um, consumer. So... We certainly do from a health standpoint, but I think some of the new innovations we're working on, and I can't talk about it today, but they're incredible. I'm, I'm incredibly excited about it, and that's really about partnering with other iconic brands uh, throughout the world and technology brands that'll make what Orange Theory does much better. I think then we'll have the opportunity to say we're a lifestyle brand. So marketing and doing great ads and saying you're a lifestyle brand is lazy marketing. <laughs> I think the harder part is actually creating experiences that create a true lifestyle experience. Amazing. So you've ensured yourself another invitation on the podcast to talk more about that. <laughs> oh, you will absolutely love to yeah, hear I'm, it. I'm so excited about it. And, um, you know, they have to hold me on a chain talking about it. But, there is um, a chain here for those of you not in the studio. <laughs> metaphorical. Thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. And that's all for today. Thank you for listening. Our producer is Aditi Sangal. If you like the show, here's what you need to do. Give us a shout out on iTunes or tweet at me. I'm at Shireen Bhattad. You can also send me an email at Shireen at I can't wait to hear what you think. And thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. <laughs>